Hi, this is Curtis. And Danielle. And Joe. We really miss greeting people at Bloomingdale Church. You're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Yeah. Viva Mexico. Giving us a little shimmy. Shirt, man. Just Looking for good. the spirit of the season. Worship director, Scott Reed. Welcome yeah. back. Yeah. And the sweetest man in Illinois, Muffin Calvin. Hooray! <laughs> Top of the muffin to you. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the muffin to you, sir. Uh, Scott... Will you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day and the chance we have to be together again after a little time apart. Lord, we just ask your blessing on this conversation. Um, Lord, we're so grateful for the opportunity we have to um, to think and to talk about you and, and the things of you and, and to minister to people through that. Lord, uh, what a privilege. May we bless people with our conversation today. We pray mm. these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Scott, take it away. Do you want to do mix and match today? We gotta do mix and match. We gotta do mix and match. We're never going back to normal. We're ne- oh my! Gosh. That's the podcast motto. All right. <laughs> Would you rather be attacked by three guys hurling walnuts, <laughs> or have a child so smart and successful that he never needs nor desires your companionship? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or desires? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> The walnuts. I'd take the walnuts any day of the week. Yeah, I'll take the attack by walnuts. What a heartache not to have oh, yeah. any relationship with your child. Oh, The alternative to it being attacked by walnuts, three guys hurling walnuts or three baseball players maliciously swinging wiffle ball bats. Oh, and I'm like, it's just three like schmucks with walnuts or three professional baseball players? <laughs> I think a wiffle ball bat would hurt. I know. I'm like, it's not a baseball bat, but yeah, it's a they, professional baseball player. Well, three, hard. three Cleveland Indians baseball players, they can't hit anything right now. So I'll take them. <laughs> um, it's time for Sermon Roundup. Uh, Sermon Roundup this week is brought to you by yeah. Monday Night Men. A friendly reminder, Monday Night Men began weekly gatherings this week at 7.30 p.m. under the portico on Monday night. We will continue to meet outside for a few more weeks, and then we will move inside when the weather gets inclement, meaning wet and or cold. Uh, We're starting off with segments from the 2020 Global Leadership Summit. Renowned business and church leaders present practical lessons on leading ourselves and leading others effectively. Dan Marcello and Pastor David guide discussion following the video segments. Monday Night Men, every Monday night at Bloomingdale Church. For more information, call Nita at the front desk. Uh, for Sermon Roundup this week, uh, we once again return... Yeah, You're falling asleep well, over there, Dan. Sorry. A little more noise there. Uh, we once again return uh, to this series uh, on eternity with Pastor David um, preaching about hell. Um, I want to start off... You know, Bill, you're reading this... this um, yeah, the systematic theology. Systematic yeah. theology. What is hell? Oh. <laughs> hell is the place of eternal torment that God created for Satan and his angels, it's awful at every level. Mm. There's, there's nothing about it where you can say, well, you get a little bit of break at this level. No, there's, mm. there's no break. It's just pure awful. Is there any like discussion, even within the Alliance, but among sort of the evangelical denominations of like the nature of hell, of like what, how much of the description of it from the Bible is, 
is metaphorical? How much of the description is is literal? Um, is there kind of like a, a sliding scale? I can't think of a denominational sliding scale, but I do know of different Christian authors. I think of Rob Bell springs to mind, a guy sure. who's famous, making really cool videos, and then just decided hell isn't really real. Mm. It's an allegory, or it's sure loving God couldn't possibly send people to hell. Mm. So I, I feel like it's I see that more in the sense of like individuals. Mm kind of falling away from what the Bible teaches. So how can God love us and send us to hell? I think that's partly a mystery. I mean, I've heard lots of answers, but I think the fact that the question still niggles at us all the time Mm -hmm. says there's a mystery to this. Mm -hmm. And at some level, it's not God who's sending people there. It's people that are making the choice for Mm -hmm. themselves Mm -hmm. to live apart from him. Mm -hmm. And hell is an extension of that will here on earth to do that. Sure. And that is something that, that C.S. Lewis said, is that at the end of time, everyone who's in hell will choose to to be there. Mm-hmm. And he has the book, The Great Divorce, that talks about the process of someone taking a bus from sort of hell and or purgatory mm-hmm. all the way to, to heaven. And mm-hmm. then um, this bus full of people one by one start to decide, you know what? I don't want to be in heaven if it's going to cost me my pride, if it's going to cost me mm-hmm. um, my son, if it's going to cost me my lust, if it's going to cost me my rights. Um, and all the different reasons why people choose to, as Ecclesiastes says, you know, follow their own downward path. Mm-hmm. Um, hell at the end of time is going to be destroyed, right? Everything in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what makes it so awful. Okay. What you're describing is called annihilation. Mm-hmm. That eventually mm-hmm. you're completely annihilated and you don't feel anything anymore. Cause you're it's conscious gone. torment for all of eternity, the book of Revelation talks about that. Yeah, that, that's what makes it just yeah. so radical. It never ends. And, and eternity is equally radical. Um, heaven is equally radical because of this matter of eternity. We just can't get our minds wrapped around eternity. Mm-hmm. We're so time-bound that we just can't help it. Even if hell was only a thousand years, I still can't even get my mind wrapped around that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that at the end of time when heaven when the new heaven and new earth right mm-hmm. everything has been made new hell will still exist yes it'll just be there will just be no more new people sent there well if there aren't any new people being born that would be the case hmm. maybe what i think maybe what you're referring to max is the lake of fire okay in revelation 20 it says then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire the lake of fire is the second death seems like that maybe takes the place of Hell in that sense, but it's a place of conscious torment for all of eternity. Right. I think it could probably be used synonymously. Mm. Yeah, Second that. death refers to that. eternal damnation. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to mm-hmm. swallow. And it's, there have been many times in my life where I'm embarrassed by the doctrine because mm. you really do feel foolish answering the question, what could a person do that's so bad that they would go to hell for eternity? And the only answer I've really got is you have more than offended an infinite God. And when you consider his infinitude, that's what makes your offense so infinitely awful. Mm-hmm. But I can't get my head wrapped around infinity. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just really hard to be in a conversation with somebody and and they say oh yeah that makes sense no it, it doesn't make sense mm. we none of us can really grasp it mm-hmm. makes me think of 
that story that Jesus tells of the guy Lazarus, not the guy who died and was risen from the dead by Jesus, but right. the other Lazarus, the story of him and the rich man, where the rich man mistreated this guy Lazarus, this poor man. Lazarus goes to be what's referred to as Abraham's bosom, an interesting name, mm-hmm. uh, and then the rich man goes to hell and is just like, man, I just want someone to come and like dip their finger in water and like bring it to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's that bad. Yeah. Like it's just anguish. What is what is like the fundamental danger of living our lives believing that that eventually everyone goes to heaven? Even that you know, you might go to hell and do your time for your crimes and then and then be led into heaven. Like what is the fundamental, you know, consequence of having that belief instead of really internalizing eternal separation from God? One problem is you have no urgency. Mm-hmm. Think, why really be evangelistic? It's all mm-hmm. going to work out for this guy anyway. Mm-hmm. Why bother bearing fruit in your life or like or seeking the Lord more if you're just going to go to There's really no motivation. Yeah. Try to do the right thing or like have behavior befitting of what the Bible like asks us to be, like showing the fruits of the Spirit. Sure. Like there's, what's, what's my reason to do that then mm-hmm. if I just get a free pass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kills missions. I mean, it just mm-hmm. kills it. Why mm-hmm. would somebody become a missionary, learn a foreign language, live probably a much lower standard of living than what they'd have here and put up with enormous problems, not just visa problems, just problems mm-hmm. every single day, the, the bugs in your shower, all mm-hmm. those things. Why would you do that if all, everybody's going to heaven anyway? Mm-hmm. And why care about, it, about people? Why mm-hmm. care about the people around us or the, the plight, the injustices, the difficulties that people go through? And it kind of lends itself more to self-centeredness than anything else. Mm. Yeah. When I was listening to the sermon this weekend was really the first time that I can remember that I feel like I really got a little bit closer to understanding just like the the suffering, the nature of hell, the suffering of hell. Not that um, I got particularly close, but almost always when I think about, you know, torment, mm-hmm. I'm always thinking like physical, right? Mm-hmm. Um horrible thing being done to your your physical body um but when he's talking about weeping um when he's talking about about uh weeping and a, and a gnashing of teeth but really just being trapped with the internal knowledge knowing what's happening to you but also knowing that you had the chance to 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 be released from it that to me uh for some reason just really like convicted me and, and and broke my heart to the realization mm. that like people in my life I've never felt particularly compelled um, by the argument for whatever reason maybe just because it was so abstract to me of like you know the people in your life who don't know Jesus are going to go to hell like you've got to do something mm-hmm. and really that thinking about the weeping taking place in hell not just like the mm. screaming but like the weeping um, that broke my heart and has put mm. this question in my mind of like how how can we as Christians like if hell truly breaks our heart the way that it breaks God's we talked about that like a month ago how can we turn around and worship God like how can we be joyful when we know that no matter what we do there will be people on this earth who who spend eternity in suffering how how can we find that that balance how do we how do we have those those two mindsets well one reason why i can worship him is he took the form of man came to earth lived the perfect life 
died on the cross for those very people. Hmm. He wasn't cold or unfeeling toward the plight of humanity. Hmm. At a visceral level, I'm watching this series called The Chosen. We've watched the first seven episodes. So Jesus is the focal point of this series. Jesus is just so neat. I, I think I'm picking up on that better with this series than anything I've ever watched. I want everybody to see this series. It is just so cool. The first two episodes, honestly, are not that great. But then from episode three to seven, it's been phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to seeing eight. And the bonus episode about his birth in Bethlehem. Mm. So if you're wondering, well, what is Jesus like? I'd say, yes, read your Bible. But, but at a visceral level, watch this film series that are about 45 minutes apiece. And I, th I think you'll just feel enveloped by how awesome Jesus is. Mm. How, how neat. I mean, I, who wouldn't want to follow him? When you watch this, he's like, sign me up. Yeah, yeah, I, mm. I, that's who I want to be around. Mm. I was just thinking, this is a neat correlation there. I guess I'd never made this connection of heaven is described as a place where God will wipe away every tear. Mm. And then mm. hell being a place of weeping, and there's no one to wipe away those tears. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. I'd never made that yeah. connection. And the antagonism, right, of... of there is Satan mm -hmm. that almost in the same way that, you know, God will wipe away every tear that we get to spend eternity in the presence of God. It's like eternity in the presence of, of someone who is, whose sole, sole interest is your, your suffering. Definitely one bad dude. It's horrifying. Quick question about that. Yeah. Is that biblical that Satan is the one doing the tormenting? Ooh. Because I haven't given it too much thought, but my understanding is that Satan is also being tormented. Because he's getting thrown in the lake of fire just along with everyone else. Sure. It seems incorrect to me that Satan would be sort of like the king of this, which is how it's always portrayed in yeah. media. But like, I feel like he's mm -hmm. being also punished. Any That's thoughts good. on that? Yeah, I think so too. Because hmm. you look at, go back to Revelation 20. So when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. Then he goes to like throughout the world and gets this one last army together. And uh, they lose against God, of course. Uh, fire came down from heaven and devoured Satan and his army. Mm -hmm. And the devil who would deceive them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Mm. I'd say like they're doing the, yeah. the tormenting. Wow. Like they're but on earth, hurt people hurt people. It's true. So I think Satan probably does add to the torment. It makes me think everybody in hell is probably adding to the torment. Sure. Mm. Which mm. you just think, oh, it's exponentially bad. Yeah. With each person getting added, it gets worse. Wow. They're definitely not there to encourage and help one another. Right. No. Right. The, Which means um, heaven must get exponentially better with each that's person that's added. It's the inverse. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, Apostles' Creed, is it? Where they say um, he descended into hell on the third day he rose again. Where does that come from? Where does the idea of Jesus preaching to the souls in hell come from? Well, I've just read Wayne Grudem's <laughs> systematic theology on that. He makes it very clear this really shouldn't be in the Apostles' Creed. Oh, wow. It's mm -hmm. not truly biblical. There's a passage, I think it's in First or Second Peter, that points to it, but he very carefully went through the passage and said that is not what this is teaching. Okay. I know our church says the Apostles' Creed. We've deleted that line from it. 
Oh. And we're not the only ones. There's a lot of churches that just say, you know, this isn't biblical. The rest of the creed is we got to take this line out. Do you know what the passage is that it gets like gets referenced as teaching it? I don't off the top of my head. I did a couple of weeks ago when I was reading it, but sure. now it's fuzzy. Okay. Do you remember it, Dan? I'm trying to think of it. There's an interesting, I think this is accurate. I learned this from a friend of mine who is now a part of the Orthodox Church, which I think I brought up in the podcast yeah. once before. And he told me this, and he was like in the process of becoming part. So he might have been wrong, but this is what he said, and it's very interesting. I think that the Orthodox belief about hell is that hell is not a distinct location from heaven, but they're both in the presence of God. But for those who have accepted God's gift of salvation, it's oh. paradise. And for those who have rejected, it's torment. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That sounds like um, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> sounds like C.S. Lewis. That is true. It sounds like Timothy. I think it's Timothy. It might be Titus of saying, um, uh, he says to the... I think he might just be saying to sinners or he might just be saying to to the people that they're preaching to, they have the smell of death. And that was one of the things that the young adults kind of talked about was like, does that mean that like God smells different to different people? Mm. Um, and I guess the answer is yes. Again, going to C.S. Lewis of like an eternity where, where it's God's will done means different things to different people is good news or bad news to different people. Yeah. Uh, it's time for Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week is brought to you by Outdoor Services. Services are now moving into the sanctuary on occasions where there is bad weather. Everyone must wear masks at all times in the building and sit in family groups at least six feet from other groups. No food will be allowed inside, and maintaining social distance is absolutely essential. It is our plan to maintain. It is our plan to maintain outdoor services through October 18th. Get your sweaters ready. We'll be having this novel adventure together. I'm outdoor excited. services. I said, I'm excited. Outdoor services weather. every Saturday at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Visit bloomingdellchurch.org slash outdoor service to learn more. Yeah, I'm ready to not be sweating like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those summer days. Woo, man. Sure. Too bad we can't have more fall. It's only a month, right? Only a month. So yeah, it's like a month from now. Start to move in. The IPSAC course is being taught in the common grounds. Um, I know the women's break is meeting in here when, when the weather's mm -hmm. bad. So that's very interesting. It's also interesting to think, man, it's been like six months that we've been doing this now. It's also interesting to think we're halfway through September. <laughs> it's What's my think? word? Where does the time go? Uh, for Topic of the Week this week, uh, we want to follow up our discussion from last week uh, about learning to love God's Word and get to the heart of some real uh, practical advice when it comes to, to loving the Bible. So let's talk about techniques we can use to sort of better engage with the Bible. I know uh, each of the three of you kind of brought a, a unique take scott do you mind if i start with you of just asking you know with reading through the bible in 90 days mm -hmm. which is on just from an objective level a, a monumental task it's what an hour of reading a day more or less yeah pretty much which when extended over the course of 90 days is is you might a, say 90 a hours. marathon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you carry the one it would probably honestly be faster if i weren't reading it out loud so oh it would so tell me about reading it out loud. That is something that I started doing my our, our senior year of of college. Why does that like help you? Can you talk me through like some of the things you've been doing to to stay focused during the Bible in ninety days? Um, I'm trying to think of why I started, and I honestly don't really know. It was almost ninety days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think Leah was in the room, 
I don't know if I did the very first like few days out loud or if it was like a couple days in that I started. But I know Leah was in the room and and I was just kind of like, hey, do you mind if I read this out loud? And she was like, no. And then it kind of became more of a routine that I did it with her. Mm. And then, yeah, I just kind of stuck with it. Um, so I think the benefits of reading it out loud are several. Um, one is that, and this might sound kind of weird because you're the one doing the reading and the speaking, but I think it's true, is that when you read something out loud, not only are you seeing it, but you are also hearing it, mm -hmm. even though it's your own voice, and that increases retention, mm -hmm. um, especially for people that are more, um, no one ever says, like, I'm an aural learner. Um, mm -hmm. That's A-U-R-A-L, not O-R-A-L. Um, everyone always says, I'm a visual learner. Um, but I'm sure there are aural learner learners out there. Mm -hmm. um, so if that is true for you, or even if it's just supplementary, then that's helpful. Um, so it just helps retain. Another thing, which is definitely, <laughs> like... You're going to have to get a little bit outside of your comfort zone for this, but it makes a big difference, is reading it with inflection. Not just yeah. droning on, but reading the dialogue, for lack of a better word, as though you know you were saying it um, in real life, like an actor or like a person. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And just treating it that way. And, and, and it can be difficult. I find it's difficult, honestly, to inflect Jesus. I just finished the Gospels mm. this morning. Uh, and it's difficult to inflect Jesus' words yeah. for a lot of reasons. One, they're so familiar. Um, and two, it's Jesus. No one is like him. Um, you don't really have a frame of reference for how he might have said these things. Sure. Um, it's like, did he say them very sterilely and like, you know, like, this is what I'm teaching you? Maybe sometimes. Did he say them very, like, passionately? Maybe sometimes. Did he say them very casually? I don't know. Sure. Uh, and it's harder to imagine yeah. you know, with him. But, um, uh, if you read it like it's a novel or like it's a play, it just makes everything more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though which is which is funny because again, it's all internal. It's all you reading the same thing, sure, um, and just hearing your voice in different ways. But yeah, I found that giving the inflection or trying to give the inflection can make it, it can make sentences um, make more sense, and it can also make it just. Or, you know, at risk of sounding cliche, kind of come alive. Yeah, a little bit more. Mm. I mean, it's ultimately about engaging, right? It's it's about us. Right. I, I don't think it's typically that like the text needs help. Um, <laughs> it's that like you know we need help, especially if you're at the beginning of a long day, at the end of a long day, or at at the end of ninety days in a row. Like we, as Bill said in his sermon, as we talked about last week, like you know it is a it is a struggle um, often to really engage, and that's a, that's sort of on us. I wish in seminary we would have had classes on reading aloud mm. more so than Greek classes. Mm. Because reading aloud and thinking, how did Jesus say this? How was this read to the church in Philippi? Going through that has done me a lot more good than Greek mm. has. It just does. And you think, we all buy into this, 93% of communication is apart from the words you use. And yet we don't apply it to reading the Bible. Mm. We don't apply it to public reading of the Bible. That when you watch somebody like Jeremy Cluth act two chapters, yeah. Oh, yeah. say it with real emphasis, change his voice, boy. It's awesome. Yeah. Watching this movie, The Chosen, same thing. Watching Jesus teach and how he says these verses that I've read a million times, seems mm -hmm. like in the Bible. Wow. 
I think you bring up a good point, especially when I think of children and teens, especially children. Like when Jeremy came, my 10-year-old daughter was incredibly thrilled. She wanted to, mm. she would have listened to him like 10 more times. Yeah. <laughs> like his rendition of David and Goliath. And mm. she was bummed out, I think, that one day he couldn't because it got rained out. She wanted to hear him again. Like it just makes it come alive where sometimes I think we can make the mistake, especially in children's work of like, well, here's a page with a scripture. We're going to read it in like the most boring voice possible. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really come alive. Sure. Making that effort, I agree with what you're saying, but that's super important with engagement, especially for the younger generation. Mm-hmm. But we want younger kids to buy into this. I mean, I'm praying mm-hmm. for my grandchildren. Yeah. They don't even like going to church. I mean, it's just, whew, it's a task to get them there. Sure. Thank goodness they have glazed donuts there for silences. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh, man. If you'd like to donate donate listeners to the glazed, glazed donut, donut farm. Amen. Just, just joking. Um, Win those children to Christ. <laughs> Buy a jelly donut. I think it adds a, a sense of, um, of scarcity as well. There's a sense of, you know, if you're reading it just in your head, then it's like, I could walk away, go on vacation, come back in 10 years, and this will still be here. Um, and the words won't have changed. And that's encouraging in some levels of faith. But at the same time, when I'm reading it out loud, it's like, this is happening right now. Hmm. These words will only last in the air for so long, and then they'll be gone. And I think that adds to, um, you know, the, I read through the, the whole New Testament out, out loud. That was really the beginning of, of reading the Bible more regularly for me in college. And it just added a real sense of urgency to to read Paul's words um, as though he was, you know, speaking them, as though he was because he was probably dictating them mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. to his writer um and so it adds this sort of sense of of personality but also like a limitedness uh, a fact that look like i only have this many words um i think it's easy to think of the bible as like it's a bunch of old words and they never change and they're kind of boring but to read them out loud really adds this 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 life um and this sort of uh sense of urgency mm. Um, like the, those words are trying to urgently tell you something. Not that I'm trying to urgently get something out of it, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. but that when Paul was writing that, he was urgently telling these churches mm-hmm. everything he could that was as specific to them as he could before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that adds a lot for sure. The NLT in particular, the, the New Living Translation, is very readable, uh, <laughs> both silently and out loud. I've thought a couple times I've been reading... Um, like reading through Hebrews, reading through Second Second Corinthians, of just like I would I would watch Jeremy or like I would watch mm-hmm. a, a sermon that was just reading this in like a standard voice in a, in a voice that made it not sound like you were reading, um, because it really does speak that way and and it makes it when you read out loud and he says you, then you like feel that a lot more mm-hmm. in my experience and I feel that a lot more um, when Paul says you. It's not like, oh, I came across this and I'm some third party who's now reading this dialogue between these two people. It really includes you, which I believe ultimately the Bible does include us in in some ways and don't want to get into thinking that the Bible is about us because it's about God. And then, Dan, you brought a couple Couple tomes. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of bigger books. I guess I had two things to share. Please. The first would be if you feel like your Bible reading has gotten stale, don't be afraid to mix it up. Don't be afraid to mix up the version that you use. Read it in Spanish. That might be confusing to you, but I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in, in Mexico, they use exclusively the King James Version with all Spain Spanish. So Whoa. That was hard to preach in. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was interesting. There's no, there's no. Oh yeah, Mexican Spanish translation. Oh, wait, Mexican Spanish translation. No, but there's NLT. There's oh, okay. Uh, a lot of the like the churches don't like using those because they don't feel like they're accurate enough translations. Wow. And so there's the, the 1960 version of the King James. Wow. That's uh, that's where it's at. So don't read that one. <laughs> that one might really confuse you. But uh, I spent a, I, I know uh, probably about five years ago I was feeling like man, I need a change in my Bible reading and I read the message. Mm-hmm. And I just was really blessed by it. I just needed something a little bit different, a little bit fresh yeah. to kind of inject in. And I wouldn't preach out of the message as a paraphrase, but for my own personal Bible reading, it was really a breath of fresh air. Hmm. And, I, and it really went slow through. I think it took me about a year to get through it. I wasn't just reading for speed. It just reading chapter at a time, really trying to digest and see what is God trying to tell me. And yeah. That was a big help. Uh, so that's one thing I'd say. And then they have these comment, this one commentary, Unger's commentary on the Old Testament and Unger's Bible Dictionary that are cool resources to kind of just put it side by side with the Bible. And as you go through like the commentary in the Old Testament, I'm reading through Isaiah right now. So it's helpful. Mm. Some of that stuff is kind of dense. Mm. And, you know, woes to Egypt and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and, and just interesting tie-ins to even prophecies that haven't come true yet. Mm. The millennium and yeah. things to come. So, well. And I you know... The, the dictionary has got great pictures, and it's not as dense as like the commentary would be. The commentary has no pictures. My daughter, my daughter would not read the commentary. She goes for the pictures. She'd go for the Bible dictionary. But it's it just and it doesn't even have to be these. It could be something like a study Bible mm. as well. Something that if you have a question, you can go to a like a trustworthy resource. To like, sure. Well, what does that mean? I'm not sure. What is this trying to say? Something complimentary. To yeah. Your, yeah. That it really. Uh, that's what I enjoy doing. And the Bible dictionary is like 40 bucks on Amazon, so it's not sure super, super expensive. If I wanted to try out sort of a free, maybe a little lower barrier of entry Bible commentary, how good of, a, of an accompaniment, uh, and I know you can speak to this, Scott, is the Bible Project. All those videos are on YouTube for mm. free, and they're all about giving that, that context to, to what you're reading. Um, how, tell me about that. I personally have heard nothing but good things. I've not used it. Personally, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, I I have heard one criticism, um, not in like a from someone that I actually know, but there was like a YouTube video. Surprise, surprise, there always is. Um, <laughs> and they were talking about. Honestly, I didn't really agree with what they were saying, um, but I don't necessarily know enough. Um, but they were just talking about this one video, talking about the atonement and how there's like one part of it because there's so much in the atonement. There's so many different elements. Uh, especially as you have two thousand years to to pick it all apart, I'm like, well, there, you know, he covered sins and he also he forgave sins and he paid the price for sins, and those are three very different things. And don't you ever say they're the same, <laughs> um, you know? So there's just there's like one part, and they're like, well, they didn't talk about this. Mm. So I don't know whether or not that's true, but as far as just the the because the Bible Project has a ton of videos beyond just the overviews of the of the books. Yeah, the overviews of the books I find to be very helpful because it does a couple things for you, especially once you leave. Well, once you get to Isaiah, really. Um, from that point forward, chronology has gone out the window. Mm. Uh, and if you think that you're getting, even like, even if you're like, okay, I know these are happening in, you know, throughout First and Second Kings, that's when these prophets were there, and they probably gave them to me in order because that was very nice of them. Like, nope, that's not true. At all. <laughs> um, and so they're in all sorts of different orders. So getting that context really quickly is super helpful. Mm. Um, and then also just understanding like the big picture structure it still doesn't always like super make sense Mm. but knowing kind of like okay this is what we're talking about right now for these next 30 chapters i can anticipate that this is the general theme 
like that's good to know because sometimes it's hard to tell when you're reading through especially the prophets like when like we've entered into a brand new idea and like mm -hmm. we're not talking about that anymore we're talking about this but, like, but it sounds the same mm -hmm. um so yeah just being able to say like okay you know around here there's a transition and now we're talking about not what they have been doing but what god is going to do for them yeah especially when you look to the future and there's like in, in the prophets, there's passages about judgment and the passages about hope. And you're like, I thought there was judgment. Why are we now talking about how then good like, things are going to be? They're praising God. It's like, God's going to destroy everything, but we're going to praise God right now. It's like two chapters in Isaiah. It's like, I'll praise. Which is like, well, this is great. Kind of like what we talk awesome. about with hell. Yeah. So just being able to, like, I, I haven't been doing it since I got to the New Testament yet, but with every single prophet, I watched the video mm. and I would like rewatch the section about what I was reading that day just to like mm. keep it fresh in my mind. Yeah. And I'd look at the picture. And like, and still, sometimes you don't you don't get all of it, but sure, man, it helps yeah. a lot. Just that why is so mm -hmm. useful, especially if you're like, oh, I've been in Ezekiel, which is <laughs> what thirty eight chapters or thirty six chapters. 40, it's a long one. 40, I think it's 40. 48. 48 chapters, and it's like day ten of Ezekiel. I don't even remember what we're doing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's another thing about the Bible Project. It only happens a handful of times, but it's really great. And it's when they say something, they're like. This is a really weird thing. You know, mm. like, yeah, it is a weird thing. I <laughs> was you. thinking about that, and I'm glad that I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And just that confirmation. Like, I think one of them was like the the snake in the desert with mm. Moses when he makes the bronze snake, and everyone looks at it. Uh -huh. He's like, "This is a really weird story." And it's like, "Yeah, it is a really weird story. I don't fully understand." It. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one weird story I was reading in Isaiah recently that was like he had to like go around with no clothes on to illustrate a point. Like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, have fun. That is a weird story. Yeah, and Ezekiel's got some really weird stuff from oh, the yeah. beginning. So. Oh, yeah. So just knowing that, like, you're not dumb, sure, for not understanding yeah. something. Yeah. I found something I wish we had had in Beth's trivia quiz. <laughs> that where did the Pentecost pilgrims come from? Ooh. And a map of all of them. <laughs> that would have been handy. And it's a picture. Oh, for that it's a picture. Quiz. I just read that this morning, and I was Show like, the picture. I wish I had read this on the <laughs> Oh, yeah. nice. It's nice. It's in Scott, color. Scott, will you describe the picture to the listeners, please? The picture is a map of the Middle East. Um, I see most of the Mediterranean Sea, just a little to the uh, to the west of Italy. Uh, it goes down south. I can't see the bottom of uh, what I think is the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm missing just the, the the heel of the Saudi Arabian boot. Uh, and the water is a light blue. The land is a, a pale yellow. <laughs> well, and there's a bunch of different colored arrows originating in a circle and then pointing towards Jerusalem. Mm. Thank you. So you want me to describe the colors there of the arrows? <laughs> That's the kind of thing you get with this. And Was that descriptive the, enough? It can feel like, well, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't want to buy those things. But it, honestly, I got these when I was 20 years old. Sure. I just wanted to get in the Bible more and understand more. And, yeah. and it's, been, it's been a big help. And a lot of the descriptions aren't super hard to understand either of like lofty yeah. language. So. Something that's helped me a lot. I know you guys are younger. You've probably been doing this all along, but... I've started reading the Bible with my phone sitting next to me mm -hmm. so that when I, particularly when I hear a geographical area and I think, where is that? Mm. Just Google it, pops up with a map. Mm -hmm. Wikipedia has a description. It's great. I mean, really great. So that's a very inexpensive way yeah. to have a, a good Bible resource right at your fingertips. Sure. To that, Bill, I definitely throw my phone down the hallway before I can before I start reading. Is that um, right? Okay. Because I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum of like, man, I just don't. If anything comes in, I'm gonna be super distracted while I'm doing it. And oh, uh, so yeah, so yeah. 
So it's nice to hear having your phone next to you while reading the Bible be constructive and helpful. Um, we're, uh, we've got about uh, six minutes before 4.15, um, so before Dan will depart us. Um, is that right? Yeah, 4.15. It's funny, Bill, uh, one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to do that, do this this week, is because we ran out of time last week for you to talk about A-E-I-O-U plus Y, and now here we are uh, with very little time for you to talk about A-E-I-O-U plus Y. Hey, we already talked about the A. It doesn't take very long if Hit that me. helps you. Okay. Well, <laughs> all you have to do Dad, is remember why? the vowels, and that leads you through a good meditation time on the scriptures. Hmm. The A stands for ask questions. It also stands for aloud. Read aloud. Read it aloud. It comes to life because of that, but you're asking questions, and that comes pretty naturally. You're asking questions because you just don't really understand it all. Hmm. The E is you emphasize each word as you plow through it. So you're mm. not meditating on an entire chapter. It's usually just a verse or two. But by emphasizing each word, even the ones that look innocuous, like the word for or a preposition, you get new thoughts, really new thoughts. You think, huh, I never saw that before. And then the O is, or I'm sorry, the I is in your own words. And I find this to be the most difficult. You paraphrase that verse in your own words, but it forces you to really engage with the verse and mm. internalize it. The O is other related scriptures. What other scriptures say something like this? Or what is this passage reminding you of in other scripture references? And, and so you, you get a little more depth and breadth because a book like Colossians mirrors to a great extent also Ephesians, mm. Galatians mirrors Romans, mm. Titus mirrors Timothy. And yeah. You begin to just pick up on some patterns. And then the you is, what does this have to do with you? And you try to apply it to your life. One of my favorites, though, is why. Why is this in the Bible? Mm. And mm. that brings out the importance of the passage, even if it's a an odd passage. Why would God put this in the Bible? For instance, my daughter used to love walking around the house when she was about four or five years old saying this verse. I see people. They look like trees walking <laughs> around. And then she'd bust out laughing. And I would think, why is that in the Bible? That is such a weird thing. And this little kid can't get over how weird it is. And then 25 years later, I learned the answer why that's in the Bible. It has to do with Jesus healing the blind man. And he asked him, can you see? And his answer is, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And so Jesus prays for him again a second time. And in Alpha, I learned we need to do like Jesus you don't give up with just one prayer. Come back at it. Mm. Even if it's the first time you've been praying for this person, you're laying hands on them or anointing them, don't, don't just say, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. No, no, no. If it took Jesus two turns, it probably is going to take you two turns. <laughs> so, so don't give up with it. Mm. It's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. So A-E-I-O-U, -E I believe in it. Yeah. And especially the sometimes why. Yeah. <laughs>
Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and why you are in the Bible. Or to, glazed donuts. Or, oh, yes. Oh, or donations please. of the glazed donut fund, donations of the jet ski fund. Mm. Um, those have definitely been down the last month. I don't know why. To podcast <laughs> at bloomingdalechurch.org. For our closing segment this week, it's time for bets. Last Saturday, Scott and Chelsea's little sister, Grace, got married, and we asked if Scott and Chelsea would cry. I cried. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful was. wedding. Uh, Dan said, Scott, no, Chelsea, yes. Beth said, Scott, yes, Chelsea, no. Bill said, <laughs> no, no. And I said, no, no. Scott, what happened? Well, with Chelsea, I don't really know. I, I, she kind of choked up during the speech. Sure. I'm not sure if that qualifies. Counts. It does count. I'm sure she cried somewhere else in there. Yeah. For me, so mm-hmm. Max asked me like, I don't know, a week or two ago. He's like, are you going to cry at Grace's wedding? And I was like, no, I'm not. And then... So Colin, my new brother-in-law, his mom is, I think she has MLS, and she's wheelchair-bound. And so she arrived at the wedding shortly before the ceremony started, and Colin went over to her, and I was like watching them interact, and I was like, oh, this might do it. And then their first dance, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely cried during that. that, was, that or was not little... their first dance, but their mother-son dance. That was when I cried, too. Um, yeah, everyone was crying, including my dad, who then had to get up and give the welcome. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, like try, he's crying <laughs> while saying, dinner. thank you all for being here. Yeah. So no one said yes, yes. No one said yes, no one yes. Said but yes, yes. Bill Calvin, fair is fair, uh, said if anybody writes in with yes, yes, uh, then they win. Uh, unfortunately, nobody <laughs> took him up on it. I think it's only fair if we give this week's jelly beans to the listeners. So listeners, write into podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org with your guests for this week's bet, and the closest listener will win a double serving of beans. Um, beans. Of course, none of us get anything, including you, Dan. Another week... Jelly beanless. Another week, jelly beanless. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, services are moving indoors soon for Bloomingdale Church. Our bet this week... How many car honks will sound during the Saturday night service uh, to establish Wait. some rules? I'm sorry, I zoned out a little bit. Did you say services are moving indoors? And yeah. then you said how many car honks? Yeah. How are those related? Because we're running out of opportunities to do this one. Oh, soon. I Sorry. I yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. No, I, I, I read that and I was like, I don't know why I wrote that <laughs> in my notes yesterday. But what I feel like as the preacher, I have a... Somewhat of a leg up here. Well, so here are the rules. (laughs) I've been there. There needs to be a five second pause between each honk from a car. So when Thomas Irvin drums on his on his on his horn, that doesn't that counts as one. Okay. You've got a a car cannot honk twice in the same five seconds and have it count. Oh, all right. Um, Also, uh, an episode of honking. An uh, yes, an event. Okay, so like now sometimes when they honk, (laughs) it's like all right, give me a honk. It's like beep 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 beep. Yeah. Beep. Yeah. That, <laughs> that one? last one's still part of the... Oh, yeah. So it's okay. not... So, yeah. So it's... I mean, individual... Like, four cars can honk at the same time, and that's four honks. Honking session. But one car can't go beep, 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 beep. Wait. So four cars honking at one time, <laughs> yes. it counts as four that's honks? four honks. How are you going to count this? Yeah, oh, that's I what have I was wondering. Oh, you've got your ways? I got, okay. I got, right. I got big plans. Um, <laughs> that's the only major rule... Uh, I, I hope they don't do it while we're singing, because otherwise I'm going to get really distracted trying to keep track of how many honks are happening while I'm trying <laughs> I hope, I'm to lead make worship. Do what we're uh, honk along with the rhythm, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, write down your answers. Okay, so gentlemen, wait, how many how many honks, honks in yeah, the whole service? Because I can't actually limit it to one honk per car. Is this there's both no services way to, together? This is just Ryan? a Saturday night oh, service. Just Saturday night. Oh. I feel like and you it's, should it's have it's a, not like one instance of honking when. 
everyone honks no. at the same time, and that's one. It's that's ha- like it's yes. somehow not one, and you'll know how many it actually is. We've already made Dan late, Scott. We can argue. All about right, this. whatever. All <laughs> right, votes in. I this go. Is a dumb. Bitch. I go for it. You're just gonna lose. I you, haven't written it yet. You don't I am like gonna it. lose. Well, hurry up. All right, Dan. Seven. Scott. Fourteen. Bill. Sixteen. I said eleven. That's a good spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, uh, as a reminder, send in your guesses to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. And if you win, you'll get twice the amount of jelly beans that Dan would get if he wins. Uh, that <laughs> is all the time, Dan's more heart. than all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Mm. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. Dan, take us home and then get out of here. <laughs> get booted. I never want to see your face again. <laughs> You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Uh, Bill, who would play you in a movie? Hmm. Who would you want? I feel I thought you would have an answer ready. I feel like this is the kind of thing that oh, you... Oh, I've got a couple guys. Oh, okay. You just choose in between them. <laughs> They're older than me, but one's Harrison Ford. Oh. And the other one. That'd be good. I really like this guy a lot. It was Robin Williams. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Robin Williams improv for Bill Callum. Yeah, he wouldn't even have to prepare. <laughs> if he does, it'd be a big improvement. It'd be great. <laughs> um, when we were talking about reading the Bible out loud and like different benefits to it and stuff, I was reading. So like I said, I just finished the Gospels. And so like a week ago, I was reading Mark. And I was reading the story of Jesus before the council in Mark 14. And I'd never thought of this story as particularly funny before um, because it's Jesus about to be crucified. But it's so funny. Um, so it says, not the, not <laughs> Jesus, but, like what happens between Jesus and the chief priest. Oh, it says, right. now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst of that and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? (laughs) What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the son? Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Blessed, and Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? (laughs) After 25 (laughs) conflicting testimonies, don't you have an answer for all of this evidence? Kind of like a bad episode of Monty Python. It's so funny. And then he's like, We don't need witnesses. Forget all that. (laughs) Look at what he's saying. Look at the last seven hours of courtroom drama.